0: All right, let's get into the Word of God together. Uh, If you have a Bible, uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, is where we're going to go. I think last time I also used Romans 12, so sorry, I like Romans 12. It's a good part of the Bible. Uh, So Romans chapter 12, feel free to turn there. And um, the title for this message... I thought I'd go for a cool one. I'd go Prison Break. All right. I remember the series Prison Break. Yes. Never watched it, but Danny was a big fan. Uh, Prison Break. Uh, How how many people in this room this morning, uh, you you have siblings? You're a sibling, you have siblings. Yes. Okay. How many of you, and you'll recognize this, uh, how many of the things that you laugh at most now were things that made your siblings cry whenever they were younger? Yes. Okay. You've got good memories of things that deeply wounded them. Um, One of my sort of, one of the memories that we laugh, about a lot now anyway it's the time we locked my uh, then five year old little sister in the garage and cleared off for the day uh, which sounds, but no, it wasn't really me. It was my granddad, um, which which sounds worse, if I'm honest. Yeah, it, it, it was worse. Um, now, to be fair, he claims it was an accident. Okay, which he would say. You know, I mean, she was quite annoying, so I don't know. It may may not have been. Uh, what happened was we were we were we were going out to sort of the extended family. We're going out to some nice restaurant in town, and uh, we all met at their house in advance. And uh, the kids were out playing as, as, as we were wont to do and they had uh, this, this garage that had some toys and stuff in it. My wee sister, five years old, toddles in there playing with some toys. And it was kind of one of those home alone situations, everyone bundled into different cars. You know, and we all were like going separately, so we didn't quite know who was in what car. And my granddad, you know, just quickly running around locking up the house and manages to lock her in. Now it sounds perfectly plausible from his side, from a little sister's side, though. Just like you're know, five years old, playing excited for lunch, hear everybody out in the driveway getting into their cars. Am I going to go in your car, Papa? You know, slams the door shut, goes out for lunch with everyone but her. Outrageous. This is a nice man as well. Paul Reed called him nicer than God. Okay, that's how nice this guy was. A genuinely, really lovely man. Um, warms my heart, to be honest. As an older sibling, just to just to, you know think about that moment. But to be fair, as soon we, as, soon as we, we got there, we did recognise. We did go back home. Okay, it was only about thirty minutes, just long enough to score her for life. So, uh, so talking about prison break. Look, I, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't really matter who you are if you're a Christian. At some point, if you walk with God long enough, there's going to be an area, there's going to be part of your life, there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time where you feel like, hey, I'm I'm locked in here. I'm locked in. There will be things in your life that you will struggle with. Uh, and, and particularly, just be, be really upfront, off the bat, talking about things of, of a sin nature, of habitual nature, things that seem to get you locked in, that seem to have you stuck in a prison, that you're like, hey, I, I, I'm growing in a whole bunch of different areas, but I've got this one thing that I am genuinely struggling to kind of get over, grasp with, get through. Uh, it'll be something habitual or a personality trait or, or something like that. Uh, and, and, and this is. Is part of what it what it is like to be a Christian. Okay, we, we all have experiences like this, we all have areas which feel like this. Uh, if I'm honest with you, whenever I get tired, we've got a newborn at home, so that's most of the time. Whenever I get tired, I do not get more sanctified. Okay? I don't I get I get grumpy, I get angry, I find myself being sort of slightly not not in a terrible way but you know sort of condescending you know snappy rude and you know Jack takes 37 minutes to get down the stairs you're like jeepers son you know throw your shoes in the bin you know all of that you sort of start threatening and she's so stuck in the, you know behind a driver who thinks that 50 miles an hour and 12 miles an hour are the same thing and you're like why is this happening you get furious I heard Jack in the car the other day go what is that stupid driver doing I went you spent too much time with your mother son jeepers but for me, that's genuinely something. That I'm like, I, I find myself doing that. And it, don't, it won't necessarily be that for you. It might, it might be some other area. It could, could be anger. It could, could be fear. It could, could be um, pornography. It could be alcohol. It, it, it could be envy, gossip, slander, selfishness. There's a whole bunch. of like lots of different things that it could be. But But there will be... Parts of your life, parts of your personality, parts of, of what you uh, experience and go through and do, that you'll go, hey, I, I don't know if I can get out of this. Like, I just seem to fall back into the same pattern over and over again, and I don't like it. And, and I want to tell you, look, that, that is true for all of us. It is true for all of us. It was true for the Apostle Paul. right? Romans 7, he writes, hey, I, I don't understand what I do. What I don't want to do, I do. And, and, and I don't do the things that I want to do. How many of us have felt like that? We've absolutely felt like that. We've, we've, we've all been there and gone, why is this my default? Why is this the habit? Why do I keep getting back to this? If you're here and you've never felt this way, I'm just going to be honest, this Sunday's not for you. Go watch the footy. Arsenal's kicking off at 12. Okay, right? But, but, uh, to Tottenham fans staying in the room. Okay, yeah. Uh, if everyone could intercede against them, that would be fantastic. It, 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 but but okay everyone's still here right so that's all of us we, we're, we have all felt like that turn to your neighbor and say hey Jesus loves you but you've got issues too <laughs> go on you can say you can do it, do it, do it give them, give them a wee dig in the arm say hey, you've got issues now, there's two ways we could go about this right we could, look, we could go because Romans 7 goes into Romans 8 it has this great thing there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus amazing passage we could get into that we could do a series on that Okay, it would be, it would be good Right? I love that Love that portion of the Bible. But sometimes we also need a bit of like a practical battle plan. Sometimes that's what you need. It's not just the there, there, and not just the, hey, it's all right, and not just the, hey, there's no condemnation. There's also strategy for getting out of stuff. A blueprint to the prison, a way to get free. And I want to tell you today, look, absolutely, 100%, there is grace and forgiveness in Jesus. There is. But I want to tell you something more than that. There's also freedom. There's also deliverance. There's also a way out of that. There absolutely is. There there is no sin greater than the Savior, right? No dungeon greater than the Deliverer. And whatever prison you get yourself into, He is able to get you out of it. It does not have to stay like that. There is a way out. And I want to believe that today, for some of us here, that it might be the first day where you start to walk towards freedom. Now, I'm not talking about a quick fix. I'm not talking about something immediate. What I'm talking about is that you, over the course of time, if we do what the Bible says here, if we, if we look at this passage and we understand it and apply it, hopefully, I'm believing one day, you're going to be able to say, I've struggled, but I've overcome. I, I've been in the battle, but I've got the victory. I've wrestled and I have conquered. Not because I'm great, but because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Somebody needs to say an amen, okay? Yes, come on. So, right, let's read the Bible. Romans 12, two. Let me pull it out here. I was going to turn to it, but take too long. Romans 12, two. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed, be transformed. Do not be conformed, be transformed. First, interestingly, I think it's interesting anyway, the fact that this verse needs to exist tells us something. It tells us that whenever you become a Christian, the journey into being like God and and walking like Jesus is not just an automatic straight upward trajectory. Right? It's, it's not just a straight line. It is not hindrance free. And sometimes you find people, and, and I've seen this, where people are, are new to faith. They come to faith and, and things are going well. They feel like they're growing fast at the start. And then they, they, they hit a wall. They get stuck. There's some hindrance there. And people get discouraged. People go, what am I doing wrong? Or, or you know, am, I, am I truly saved? Am I, is, this like, is this okay to feel like that? Is it okay to wrestle? I just want to say the Bible is absolutely clear that there is opposition, that it is not automatic. It is not automatic that you will simply go from, from where you started the whole way into glory without some bumps along the road. And so we need to know that. And there's many things that provide opposition to this, but the one in question here is this idea of the world. Now, when we talk about the world, what do we mean? Well, uh, the, but the Bible uses the world in, in sort of two main ways, right? There's, there's the people of the world. They're the people who live in this world, everybody on the planet, everybody who's ever lived. And the Bible is very clear that God loves those people. God does not, when we talk about the world, and we're going to, because we're going to get into that, right? What we're not talking about is the individual people. and am not, not saying anything about that in a negative way. God loves those people. One of the most famous verses, probably the most famous in the Bible, God so loved the world. Right? So the Apostle John wrote that. So he's not anti-people. But that same John, that same writer, uh, later in his epistle, uh, his first epistle, he writes, Do not love the world. Anyone who loves the world or the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, so, So what is that? Well, that's not the people, but that is this idea of the system or the patterns or the tendencies or the habits or the lifestyles or the thinking or the ideologies or all of those kinds of things that make up the world that we live in. And so we're, we're talking about that, and that world, those things, they are an opposition, they are a hindrance to you in your walk with God. It is a challenge for you. The, the, the word here for, for being conformed is like the word fashioned. It's, it's, it's the same word for being fashioned. Do not be fashioned according to the world, uh, according to the, the pattern of this world. It's like fashion itself. You, you feel a pressure to dress a certain way. You feel, you feel that? You? I mean, some of you maybe don't be looking at you right now, but most of you. You know, and fashion changes and it goes in and out. And skinny jeans were cool when I was in my 20s and now I'm in my 30s. Apparently they're not cool anymore. It's back to baggy jeans. Should have kept the baggy jeans from when I was a teenager, right? Okay, some of you guys, you've got 70s flares in the cupboard ready to go. Come on, you're going to look great in a few years' time. But, but the world has fashions. There's pressure to look like that, pressure to, to be like that. And it's not just true of clothing. It's not, even about, it's not remotely about clothing here. It's about the thinking. It's about the attitudes. It's about the habits. And the natural tendency, if you live in this world, is to follow all of that. It's the default setting. The, the, the norm, right? If you live in the desert, the default is that you're warm. Right? You live underwater. The default is that you're wet. If you live in Northern Ireland, the default is also that you're wet, okay? Like that is the default, that is the norm. We are immersed in this world. We live in it and it seeps in. And it's not just about peer pressure, although it includes that, and it's not just about what the people around you would pressure you and want you to do, although it very much includes that, but it's also the circumstances of this world where life is hard. And so you develop fears that feel natural, that feel normal. You develop selfishness and looking out for number one that feels again like the way it should. just you 're immersed in that you live in that reality, the anxieties of the world the, the the thoughts of the world, the fears the challenges of the world, the lyrics of the world all of this all of this is pressuring in all around you at all times, and the default is that we will follow that pattern of the world, and if we do, we will not grow in god and Do you know what you need to do to to uh, be conformed to the world. Nothing. Nothing at all. Okay? Like a stormant politician. Nothing. You don't need to do anything, right? You don't need to ask permission. You don't need to opt in. It's not like our small groups, which you can go to groups and sign up for one right now. It's not like that, though. It is this idea that this is the automatic, this is the default condition. Another word for being conformed, or another way that that word was used was this idea of of, of a stamp going on to metal and molding it metal doesn't have to do anything it's pressing in from the outside there's a pressure there's a force there's something there trying to shape you and if you simply exist in the world you will find that you can form and the mandate for christians the mandate for us as believers is to stand on our feet and look at the world and say do you know what we're not going to do that We are not going to conform in the midst of a dark and dying world to say we are going to go a different direction. We are not, this is, I don't know, people think this about Christians, but the reality is that if we're living faithfully in our beliefs, we are not meek sheep who follow all the rules and follow all the trends and follow all the patterns and just long to be loved by everybody all the time. That is not who we are. We are the punk rock rebels right we are we are the non-conformists we are the reformers we are the ones who say that might be what everybody's saying that might be what circumstances are saying that might be what the world is saying but we as the people of god we will not conform we will not follow your rules tell your neighbor i'm not going to do what he tells me to do that was a good yeah that's smart. <laughs> It's not a style thing. It's not about what we wear. It's not about anything like that. It's a lifestyle thing, and it's no surprise if that's the world that we live in. That from time to time, even if you're trying to live faithfully as a Christian, you're going to feel stuck because we live in a world which is designed to get us stuck. So, how do we? What do we do about that? First, first thing here, we've got to be careful about shifting blame away from ourselves. Right? When it comes to sin, we can't sort of just always project that onto something else. I don't know if, if anybody else. I when I was a Uh, a late teen, I sort of went through the everything's a demon phase. Yes, yes, you've been there, okay, yeah, like, I'm angry, I must be a spirit of anger around here somewhere, you know, I was I lazy, probably a curse, you know, officer, why was I speeding, hey, the car's car's possessed, okay, right, a friend in here who used to watch Harry Potter, and uh, now this accelerator just goes on its own, okay, nothing to do with me. We excuse our own issues. Now, the Bible talks about deliverance, talks about Jesus setting people free. Absolutely, that is in there. But I'll tell you this. Jesus drove out plenty of demons. He never once drove out worldliness. He never once drove out sin. He, he didn't do that. He forgave it, but he did not drive it out. Same. We, we do the same with, with circumstances. You know, ah, oh, well, crime, that must be because of... Poverty, right? Because because poor people don't have self-control. That's not true. That's not true. The, like the, re, the reality is that there's lots of people who live in very poor circumstances that live absolutely upright moral lives. But yet we default to that. How, how many of us hate apologies that come with an excuse? Yeah? You know, I'm so sorry, but, you know, I was tired and this happened, yada, yada, yada. And you're explaining it away. And it's not really an apology. It's not, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm sorry, but actually it wasn't my fault. So I'm not really that sorry. And and we do that all the time. We distance ourselves from our issues. And here's where that becomes a problem. Here's why that's a problem. When you do that, when you say, hey, that's just the devil. It's just circumstances, not me, not my fault. You are renouncing your authority to walk in victory over it. You're saying, I can't do anything about this. This is, this is not something that God... I, I, I need a dramatic intervention. It's really, if anything, it's kind of God's fault for not having changed that. I couldn't, he hasn't given me the tools yet. He hasn't provided the things that I need for me to walk in freedom, walk in authority over this. And we make our own pit deeper. By saying, hey, we couldn't do anything about that. It's, it's, it's someone else's fault. It's Del's fault. It's God's fault. Not my fault. And, and I don't know about you, but my Bible tells me that faith overcomes the world. Right? So that means that it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I have the authority within me to overcome it. Yeah? I, I, I don't know about you, but my Bible says to give thanks in all circumstances. Not just in the ones that look like I should give thanks. Right? don't know about you, but my Bible says that I am not simply existing here on earth, but I am seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So my walk with God, not simply based on you or anything else, it is based on where he is and I am seated living with him. That is where it comes from. And so it is entirely possible, biblically speaking, to, to live in freedom no matter what is going on around you. And we can't just distance ourselves from it. That sounds tough, but it's a good thing. Let me tell you why it's a good thing. It means you might not need a miracle to get free. You know? You, you might have already got everything you need in your armory to walk in freedom. There might not be an extra thing that God needs to do. It might just be the normal means of living the Christian life that is the way for you to get out. And you don't need to do something more about it other than simply obey him. But it's not that God has to do something miraculous, dramatic, powerful. It's just you, you follow this. You follow this and find your way free. So how do we change? How do we get out? The Bible gives us a solution to this. And it's, a, I think, a practical and simple solution. It is to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If we want to be transformed in what we do on the outside, we have to be transformed on the inside. When I was younger, I um, decided I want to be a cow one day. And so okay, I was young, okay. I was thirty-one. It was last year, right? I went out in the lawn, got down on all fours, started eating grass. Was soon told that apparently humans can't digest grass. Okay, uh, you need four stomachs, or you've got to eat your own, you know, excrement. Uh, so I decided at that point to stop probably not a long term strategy now, here's the thing we, we, I think we try and do that sometimes in our faith we go hey do you know what I need to just change my behaviour you know, what, what, what I, need? I, I need to fix my behaviour behaviour is the issue I tell you this if you want to walk in freedom from these kind of sins you don't just need behavioural modification you need internal transformation you need more than just behaviour. See, the thing with, with with these kind of sins that you fall back into, they are rarely premeditated. You know, I, I, it's a real problem if you're premeditating something evil as a Christian. Like if you're sitting there plotting, right? That's a that's a genuine problem. Like you should not do that, right? That's a, that's a bigger issue. But for most of us, I think we'd say, hey, I'd love to be free. I want to be free. But I just find myself, it's like a habit or a reflex. And and without even thinking, it bypasses the whole decision process. I fall back into this. I just default back into it. And that needs something more fundamental than just, hey, fix that behavior. Make a better decision when the time comes. Because you barely made a decision when you did it. You barely made one. And so it needs more than that. The, the solution does not start in conduct. Romans uh, 12.2 Romans is in the context of Romans twelve one, which uh, many of you will know it says this. It says that we are to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. <clears throat> now that, now that, is, that is a call to a holy life, right? It's a call, a call to good conduct. But Romans 12.2 is telling us how to do that. And it doesn't say, well, you just rigidly orient everything and you make sure that you have all the seatbelts on and everything so you're strapped in and you can't move and you can't fall into sin. That's not what it says. What it says is that that if you want to change the fruit, you have to change the root. You want to change the function, you change the form. You want to change the outside, you change the inside. You do something on the inside. The, the word for, for being transformed there, it is the word for metamorphosis. It's metamorpho in the Greek. Metamorphosis. It's that idea of a, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And it's not that you, when, a, when you want a caterpillar to become a butterfly, you don't go up to a caterpillar and go, right, flap. Like, flap hard. Go on. Be colorful. Do it. You don't do it. It's not that kind of thing. You tell it, you encourage it, you feed it, you nurture it, you let the natural process go forward until that transformation comes on its own and it becomes what it is called to be. If we want to walk in freedom, we need internal transformation. Now, that's not to say that if you are struggling with sin that you are not saved, right? That, that is not what that's saying. The word here, again, that same word metamorpho is, is the same word that's used of Jesus in that moment of his transfiguration. You know that story where Jesus goes up to the top of a mountain with three of his disciples and he appears there with uh, Moses and, and Elijah and he's glowing white and he is just revealed and shining like the sun. And Mark says that he, his clothes were whiter than any launderer on earth. The Gospel of Mark, of course, sponsored by Parcel Non-Bio. And, and what's happening there, what's happening in that moment is not that Jesus is becoming the Son of God, But that who he is already is starting to be revealed. It is shown to others. It is shown in reality. And that is what we are called as Christians to do and to be. It is that John MacArthur put it this way. That the Christian life, this happens every, I need to stop putting my water there. John MacArthur put it this way, he said. The Christian life is about becoming who we already are. It is about becoming who we already are. It is this idea that we are to live out in a growing revelation of what God has done in us, of who He has made us to be. That, that that over time, as we grow in this, our true self is revealed. That the masks, the layers, the makeup, the dirt, all of that, it just gets removed and we shine as God has called us to shine. And how does it happen? By the renewing of our mind, and the good thing about that is, actually, we can do something about this. That we can do something about the renewing of our mind. You, you can't control all your surroundings, right? You can influence them. You know, you should do what you can. Um, it's not that you should be unwise. It's not that you, you know, you, you know, if you're grumpy when you're tired, try to go to bed earlier. I understand that, right? But you can't control all of your... You don't know how everything's going to work out. You can't control how every relationship or financial decision or whatever it may be, all of that. You don't have total control. But you can control, you can determine what goes on on the inside. You can determine what you focus on, what you meditate on, what you fix your mind on. You can feed that. You can... can input into that you can change the direction of that and that can be true regardless of what is going on on the outside you can do something about this and this is where we will either win the battle or we will lose it is the battlefield of the mind that is where we will either win or lose in this struggle and not to say there's never a time for deliverance not to say there's never time for changing circumstances but ultimately ultimately almost all of the time that is where we're going to win this fight think about it how many of us we spend hours a day think about it over the course of a week just feeding you know fear anxiety the social media feed all of the worries and cares of the world all of whatever happens to be on tv whatever some board and some media company has decided would be a good internal diet for us and we and we just pump that into ourselves and we try and combat that with 30 minutes of a sermon on a Sunday. 35, you know. Feels like five though, yes? Yeah. You know, like, like we try and we do that. And, and, and can I just say that that is a guaranteed way to go about having a, a struggle with sin. It really is. And, and imagine what would happen if we flipped the script and we said, look, social media, all of that stuff, you just go sit there in the corner, you get the 30 minutes a week, and, and I'm going to, with my time, where I can, fill myself with the Spirit of God, with the Word of God, with worship, with prayer, with, with, with uh, relationships, with good, healthy people and people who are advanced in their faith and, and people who I can help in their faith. And you spend your time filling your inner life with that and you flip the balance that way. Can I just say, if we did that, we would start living out the Christian life by default. It would be our default setting. An analogy I've, I've heard before, but I'll use, is that of a Coke bottle. And you know, if you've got an empty Coke bottle, you drain it, uh, then you don't need much pressure on the outside to kind of cause it to crush in and collapse in on itself. Yeah? You fill it with Coke, and, and suddenly, you know, it's, it's much harder to do that. Some of you may have seen people that put Mentos in and screw the lid back on. You've seen that on the internet and all this gas releases and it basically becomes like a mini explosive and the top flies off and it flies around. And there's wonderful, wonderful videos of people getting beamed in the face with a Coke bottle uh, all over the internet. We've asked Hope, to kid, Hope Tots to do it as their craft. Uh, see if any of them come back. Just sent Jack out to go. The world, the thing is that the the pressure of this world is always going to be there. That pressure is, you're not getting, you're not getting rid of that. The pressure of this world, all that stuff that we talked about, it's going to exist for your entire life, and until you go to glory, that is going to be there. And so the question is not, how do I have less pressure from the outside in? The question is, how do I get more pressure from the inside out? How do I pour into myself the things of God? If we want to get unstuck, it is not by getting less pressure on the outside, it's by getting more pressure on the inside. It It is not transformation that is done by forcing, it is transformation that is done by filling. You fill yourself and you will live this thing out. Put it into practice for you. If you are full of fear, And there are people who are. Anxiety. Concern about everything. Everything could go wrong. Gets turned up to 11. Can I just say that a bad strategy for dealing with that, generally speaking, is not to sit there and go, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear. Like, I, I will not fear. I'm going to try not to fear. And then trying to learn all the Bible verses that tell you not to fear, which everybody knows 365, one for each day of the year, so you're allowed to fear once every four years. You know, like the, you, you, we, we sort of force ourselves into, right, put the seatbelts on, strap myself in so that I don't do it. That, that, uh, that is not a winning strategy, generally speaking. There's a place for knowing what the Bible says and and walking it out in, in faithful obedience. But can I say this? Rather than fighting fear, the better thing to do is to fill your soul with faith. Fill your soul with the stories of what God has done. Fill your soul with the scriptures that not just tell you not to fear, but show you why you should not fear that God has done this, that God is able to do this. That Think of all the things where you have been afraid and God has come through for you anyway. Every time there's a thought of fear, you say, do you know what, I'm just going to turn away and I'm going to fill myself with faith. I'm not going to try and fight it. I'm not going to worry about that thought. I'm going to go over here and am going to go, faith, fill myself with faith. What has God done? What miracles can I learn about? What stories can I learn about? What, what things can I believe and stand in faith for? That's how you overcome. That's how you renew your mind in that. Take Take, take, take depression. Again, same idea. It's not that sitting there going, oh, don't, don't, don't be down, don't be low. Don't, you know, I, I shouldn't do that. Not even, it's not even learning the commandments about rejoicing, but fill yourself with the things that are true from God that bring you joy. Even when you don't feel like it, thank him even when you don't feel like it. Think about the things that he's done. Thank him for the cross when that's the only thing that you can think to thank him for. That was a bit of a tongue twister right there, okay? But think about those things. Fill yourself with that internal pressure of joy so that when that external pressure comes, it has no place. It has no success. It cannot get in because the inside is stronger. Imagine, imagine if, if, if I was to tell someone, if someone said, you know, how could I live the most sinful life possible? How could I do that? Well, what I would tell them to do is fill yourself with every single thought of sin and evil that you could possibly fill yourself with. You know, just detach yourself from everything, Christian. Fill yourself with everything that is untrue and false and ignoble and all of that. And they would absolutely, we all agree, we all know, they would live out that life by default after a while. That would be their natural tendency. Do you know the same is true the other way around. If we fill ourselves with this, and what say is this? This kind of transformation It is not easy, but it is effortless. It is transformation that where where you take that time, you take that focus, that energy to fill yourself, and then you begin to effortlessly drift into the things of God. You live it out that way. I don't think we should sit here begging for deliverance from the pressures of the world. I think we just fill ourselves with the things of God. And we'll walk in freedom.